I say, if you really want to know how well you are, get out the tape measure. Get out the tape measure and measure the space between your contradictions. Oh, I'm such a really nice person. Yeah, I just yelled at that checkout counter person because she, you don't need to have a comment. That's not a kind person. Right. Right. So, so measure that space because it should be small. Like I eat really healthy, 73, I box three times a week. You know me, I'm in, I'm tough, right? I'm yeah. healthy. I ate two donuts yesterday, not one, two <laughs> donuts yesterday. Welcome to Mindful Warrior Radio. Mindful Warrior Radio is a space we created to connect with incredible humans to share brave stories, authentic insight, and real knowledge. Thank you for joining us. I'm Cami Craig. I'm a former elite athlete, Olympic champion, turned performance and culture design coach at Mindful Warrior. And I'm your host of Mindful Warrior Radio. Today on Mindful Warrior Radio, we welcome our guest, Susie Landoffi. Susie is a licensed marriage and family therapist with extensive experience working with veterans. Susie has supported and founded ranches where she diversifies her practice with equine therapy and rescue animals to help clients of all ages form deeper connections and facilitate healing from the effects of trauma. Before becoming a licensed therapist, Susie received a BA in theater from Middlebury College and worked as a theater, video, and film producer and director. She has hosted her own television and radio programs in Los Angeles, as well as being a frequent guest on national talk shows, including Oprah. She has authored two books published by Putman, and we are so grateful to have her on Mindful Warrior Radio today. I am absolutely thrilled to have Susie Landoffy with us today on Mindful Warrior Radio. Uh, Susie and I uh, originally met through a program called Merging Veterans and Players, where Susie is the whole health clinical director there um, and actually wears many hats there um, <laughs> and have shared a really amazing um spaces and experiences with Susie throughout that um, program. That program is for combat veterans and elite athletes who um, come together once the uniform is off. And we work out together, we come into huddle together, and we talk about the wins and losses of transition, transitioning from a life we have once experienced into what we would call civilian life, normal life. What is normal life? As if there is a normal life. But <laughs> um, And so that's where I got the opportunity and the pleasure of meeting Susie. And we are happy to have you on today. Thank you for joining me. Oh my God. I, you know, I felt like I won the lottery. Cammie Craig called me, asked <laughs> me to be in her podcast. I'm so happy. <laughs> I we won the lottery. You. I've always adored you. Oh, you know that from the moment I met, I went, yeah, that one. The minute I put you with those wild horses, and you went, okay, I think this is okay, but I'm not quite sure. But I'll, I'll trust her. I know the trust I've already had to lean so deeply into uh, through the experiences we've shared. Yeah, Susie put me into a corral with wild mustangs and asked me to sit down on a patio chair in the middle of it while they walked around us, um, and we had a, a huddle right 
right in there. And I said, I'm not going in there. I'm nervous. And Susie, you looked at me and said, don't tell me, tell the horses you're nervous. And I'm like, oh, gosh, I'm nervous. <laughs> and what did they say to you, Cammie, when you told them that? So, they well, they were kind of like, same sister, get in here. <laughs> right. You're the one that eats meat. Yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, um, I think, you know, just thinking about our experience, how we met and, uh, really the design of merging veterans and players. I want to talk a little bit about transition and why is it so dang challenging sometimes? You know, it's interesting about how we use words and they always mean something very specific. Going from one uh, job to another is a really big, a one part of your career to another we don't actually think about the micro transitions that we do every minute of every day. Mm -hmm. And I always look at that. I go, wait a minute. I just transitioned from the bathroom to my bedroom. <laughs> right? yeah. Like, like that was a micro transition that I had to make. And I, I think also too about, I had to transition from fifth grade to sixth grade. Mm -hmm. I had to transition from uh, a single to married. I had to transition from not being a mother to being a mother. And when you talked about the uniform, that was really interesting to me because I always bought clothes to be a uniform. I don't want to think about what I'm wearing. Right. Oh my God, that was like so much work. So if I find a t-shirt I like, I buy five or seven of them and then I know I got them. No big deal. Everything has to be gray and then everything matches. So I'm saying all of this because I think that you guys have a superpower you don't know you have. Because mm. see, you transitioned into the water, into the bathing suit, right? Yeah. Into the uh, bathing cap. Like you transitioned from less water to more water to a lower, um, probably a, when you were younger, a lower net to a higher net. I mean, I don't know, but I'm just yeah. guessing, having yep. been an athlete myself, but not at the level you are. And so I'm thinking, well, wait a minute. You forgot about all the micro transitions that you've done. You had to transition from telling your parents the truth to not. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Think about that. Some of us still have to do that, right? Mm -hmm. so, so I say all this so that we can look, we could start with the macro, because that's a big deal hanging up your uniform. Yep. And not being in that pool all the time and not being with those wonderful women all the time and traveling and competing and getting that adrenaline and that dopamine and oxytocin. It mm -hmm. actually made you happy. You literally got stress hormones that make you happy because some of them make you happy, some don't. So I, what I'm saying all of this for is that we forget what we know. Mm. And when we get anxious, we really forget what we know. So we think of what we lost. Well, like, that's true. I lose something every day. I lose my keys. I lose everything. I have lost the ability to do things now that I'm older. Mm. Right? I don't have that ability anymore. I have a different ability. But I don't have that ability. So I hope that at least what we can do when we talk about transition is that we open up that lens and we look at the micro ones and the macro ones. And we understand that this is a practice that we do every day every year, every season, <laughs> like we are good at this. Mm -hmm. And the ones that aren't good at this are the ones that are controlling when you want to control everything. Mm. When you want to connect, you'll transition. Yeah. So 
right? I want to connect now to the land. You were in the water. I want to go from a dolphin now to a horse. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? I want to be on the land more. So I have to learn about that. Yeah, I love this connection piece. Um, I think about, I retired after 13 years on the women's national team and a lifetime of playing water polo. Um, And as you said, there was many really challenging transitions into the sport to get to the level in which the ability to play, which was incredible, right? Um, And I think about the time in which I found MVP, and where I was at in my journey of transition, transitioning out of water polo and that lifestyle and that world. And really my confidence at that time was at an all time low. And I remember coming into MVP and really connecting with a group of individuals that kind of understood and got it. And that connection piece because I felt really alone and it's hard when you're feeling, when your confidence is low, it's really hard to hold the mirror for yourself. And so I found in this place to connect with friends that knew me really well, who could hold the mirror and remind me who I was and to be around um, like individuals who have been in team environments, who understood what it was to get gritty and do the hard work to understand what it was to represent something larger than themselves. And then, not be a part of that kind of larger thing anymore. And to be an an Olympian, right, who represented the USA and sit alongside of veterans who are fighting for our freedom and are going to do that, to go do that. Exactly. Whoa. Talk about humbling and to see that we were kind of in the same place. I mean, that, that connection and that community that I experienced at that time really helped support and facilitated bringing my confidence back to a place to where I could own it myself. I want to talk about confidence. You just brought up something mm-hmm. I think so important. So one of the things that we know about childhood development is, is that children are confident just when they're cared for. That's where the confidence, that the parent is going to listen and be there and see them, hold some boundaries, not judge, um, and when I say not judge, not use them as an ego boost, not try to control and connect as well. Like there's a whole bunch of things you do with a child where it feels confident enough to go to school, feels confident enough to go and tell you, I need to go use the potty and go do it. Right. So confidence is, is actually nurtured all of our lives. It can be, if we get a bad start with our confidence, which I did for my dad, Mm -hmm. then I'm always trying to build it. Because there's really not a foundation of confidence. What does that mean, Cammy? That means that while I'm doing something great, you said that bigger than life, bigger than you, something great, like you're okay. Your confidence is up here because it's embedded in what you're doing. Yes. Unfortunately, confidence should be here, like lower, embedded in just the fact that you breathe. Yep. Cammy Craig, you are valuable because you breathe. Mm. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Then we can go from there. But if you don't have that basis of, hey, I'm valuable just because I'm standing here right now on this planet and, and, and I have value. Yeah. And I think confidence comes from value. Now, if your value is about winning, if your values about the uniform, if your values about your title and the people you hang out with and then all that's gone, 
I think what you're talking about is you with like-minded people that they realize that most of their value is what they did, not who they are. Mm-hmm. You can't hold up the mirror to mind you who you are. Yes. Right? So that just means you don't have to be in the water to be valuable. <laughs> right. Be in a firefight to be valuable. Yet that's where most of us went in mm-hmm. order to find that confidence, that value. And then when all of that's gone, we got to sit with ourselves. Oh, what is this called? This podcast? I think it's called Mindful Warrior. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Being able to sit with yourself, Mm. being able to take a look at where is that confidence? How do I get it? And how is it that we don't say, I don't have any of those wonderful women friends that I hung out with all the time. All of this, my hair's not green in the pool anymore, whatever. (laughs) Like I used to hear about that with blonde people. Like all of that. And I forgot to look over to my right and go, oh, look what I'm going towards. Mm -hmm. If we keep looking in the rearview mirror, we're going to crash. So you want to do both. You want to grieve what you're losing. I'm all about it. Grieve it. Absolutely grieve it. And and know that you'll have an ache in in your little heart for a long time for that, if not forever. Mm -hmm. You'll be 102 going, I wish I could get in that pool. I know. (laughs) except by then you will have built a whole mindful business and you'll have helped so many people and all of that. And you'll go, Oh, thank God I got out of the pool. Right. Not everybody can join me in the pool. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The value of just building the, the foundation of confidence within self without the title or the ability or the skill set or the purpose. Um, and you know, I, that period of just sitting with yourself, the music stops and you're like, hello, all of a sudden I'm not training, you know, six hours a day, six days a week and living a lifestyle to be, you know, at the top of the podium kind of constantly. And all of a sudden it's pretty quiet and pretty still around here. What about when you watch the new newbies come in and somebody that took your place? Yeah. They're doing it. That's the word. I'm in the audience at the theater and I'm going, wait a minute, I'm supposed to be up on stage. Yeah. Yeah. I guess yeah, I, a different stage. That's all I did. It's like I let them have that stage now on a different stage. Yeah, that's right. And I think, you know, uh that that stillness or that pause, um, there's a lot to be learned in that. A lot of um detangling and relearning and understanding of self. And many times, you know, what I found is um there was no time to kind of detangle or unravel or introduce myself to parts of myself when I was full tilt as an athlete. Oh, absolutely. It wasn't safe. You were submerged, so to speak. (laughs) And what you were doing. Yes. And so it's interesting that that some of that healing or understanding or connection with self and building of um, the confidence foundation within came later once retirement retirement, you know, I do my little quotation air quotations here. Um, but once that season of my life was complete, um, and yeah, I love that you said retirement. Cause you know, I'm supposed to retire. I mean, that's what you know, we were talked earlier before we started record about normal. And by the way, there's a great book brand new, just came out by Gaber, Dr. Gaber, Gaber Mate called the myth of normal mm. that title. Um, but I think I think what we're what we're really talking about is when you t- said retirement. I remember being a little girl going, 
I don't think that's a good idea. Like, what are you retiring from? Yes. Right? So that was always in the back of my mind. I'm 73. Mm. I'm, I, well, if I retire, I'll probably get arrested. So we don't want to do that, right? Because you guys will be bailing me out all the time for doing something somewhere. What if, I'll just throw this out as an idea. What if your life is your career? Mm. So a girlfriend of mine said that when she was, she's an actress and she always had to keep auditioning, even though she was a very successful actress and she had her own sitcom and all like this. And every time an agent or a, a casting director called her, she had to go in and audition. She was so tired of it. She goes, when don't I have to audition anymore? When do people recognize the work that I've done? I'm going, I've had it. I'm going to make my life my career. Mm. And my head almost exploded. And I went, yeah. Melanie, say that again. Was my, I'm going to make my life my career. And I went, that's it. That's it. So what you haven't done is you've gotten out of the pool, but you haven't retired mm. from learning and giving and growing, right? And helping and being of service and learning more about yourself and connecting. Like you haven't retired from anything that I can see, Cammie. <laughs> that's felt. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm still definitely putting in the work. <laughs> that's what I mean. That's what I mean. And so it's sort of a myth of that, that I think we keep separating, you know, compartmentalize things like, oh, that's, that's right. my job over there, right? Mm -hmm. No, no, that's just another part of your life. Your life is your career. That's right. One of the things that I took from you um, or just definitely noted in the huddle um, at MVP, and I might kind of mess it up. So straighten me up if it's, if it's not <laughs> what, what you up, gay you up, we don't care. We yeah, don't care. Yeah. yeah. But, um, you, you would always say, um, you know, the battles didn't start in the field of play or, you know, when in, in your deployment, many times the battles started, um, when you're young in your own living room. Um, and I wanted to ask really about the impact of, childhood experiences, childhood trauma, and how that impacts us in our adult lives. It impacts everyone and everything about your life. Mm -hmm. That's how important it is. Everything and everyone. Your childhood is your basic training. It is everything. It is the foundation and it can be shaky or part shaky. It can have you know, weak floorboards, um, or it can be completely uh, uh, unsafe mm -hmm. on all levels. And how we know this now, we finally got smart about finding out why people are uh, struggling with using drugs and alcohol or gambling or sex or being able to lose weight. So actually this information about how important childhood was and what happened to us was in an obesity trial where people were three, 400, 500 pounds trying to lose weight. And once they lost a hundred pounds, they put it back on. So the doctor, Dr. Felitti said, oh, I got to find out what's going on. What am I doing wrong? Mm -hmm. And he started to interview them and he asked questions to get more information about what he missed. And he looked at one woman and he said, so I have to ask you a couple of questions. And one of the questions was, how much did you weigh when you were first sexually active? She put her head down and she was one of the ones that put on, put them the weight back on. She said 40 pounds. And he goes, no, no I'm sorry. You must understand what I asked. Like, mm -hmm. how, how much did you weigh when you started to be sexually active? And she said 40 pounds and she started to cry. 
because mm-hmm. my father raped me when I was four. Mm-hmm. So he was like, oh my God, how many people are suffering all of these, what we call, you know, issues in their life, physical issues. Then they found out that those same people that have ACEs, adverse childhood experiences, that the higher ACE score you have, the more later illness you have. Think about that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It stays in you. You know, the the book, The Body Keeps the Score. Right. Uh, like, uh, look at all of that. So it's everything. It's how we look at um, uh, uh, stress. So if you are always waiting to hear dads come home or mom's car come home or both moms or both dads come home and it's not going to be safe when they come home. You're going to start to get stress hormones. Do you know that you can't do math when you're anxious? Mm. All those kids that are like struggling in school and we're thinking that they have some kind of cognitive, you know, issue with me and be able to do math. That's from stress. That's from fear. 35% of all veterans go into the military with very high ACEs score, with horrific trauma, 35%. Wow. Somewhere between, you know, about 30% of all combat veterans that come off, you know, off the battlefield um, have suicidal ideation. Oh, there might be a correlation. Mm-hmm. It may not be the battlefield that was the worst trauma they had. It was the closet they were locked in when they were four for three days. Right. right. And these are real things that happened. So now you're going to transition out of some place like the pool or the or the football field or the battlefield and you're going to come back to a life back to your family back to the scene of a crime you've never talked about. Mhm. That's what needs to be t- talked about. Now the VA doesn't give a poop. Yeah. They give it with you know what happened to you before they signed you up. So you think they're going to talk about it in your no. And they really don't care what happened to you once you got out. They're just looking at that, you know, thing. And and I'm going to say the same for athletes. I bet no one, no one, when you were struggling as a team member, I bet no one said, hey, let's go talk about what happened to you when you were mm. a girl. Yeah. Right? They don't <laughs> do it with football players. We don't even know the number. We might, it might be as high, high as 85% of all NFL players come from very difficult childhoods. Mm-hmm. And then we wonder why they can't sort of function once they uh, are, even when they're still playing. Right. That's how important it is to know. And and the book, the Bible for this now came out about two years ago. It's called, What Happened to You? Question mark. That's the title of the book. Mm. I mean, they just kept it simple. Dr. Bruce Perry yep. in conversation with Oprah Winfrey. And uh, it explains everything physiologically, neurologically, emotionally, um, and I, I encourage everybody to read it a couple of times mm. so that you really understand, because then you know what happened to you. Now you can do the things that will help mitigate the effects of what happened to you. Yes. That's all we're going to be able to do is mitigate. You know what, Cammy? I, I lived, uh, grew up north of Boston, wicked. wicked. Yes, there it is. Boston, right? <laughs> oh, like we have like lobster and then you go wash it down with a beer. Yes. Um, so when I came out here, everybody eats Mexican food. Well, we didn't have Mexican food there. Like I was like yeah. 40 the first time I ever had Mexican food. Welcome to California. <laughs> yeah, right. Right. And so I said, you know, what's so great about Mexican food is it's labeled. 
And they go, what do you mean? I go, well, it's mild, moderate, or severe. Yeah. <laughs> like, right? It's like, that's mild. You go to the grocery store, mild salsa, you know, medium salsa, severe salsa. You know what you're going to be doing to yourself, right? And I thought, well, that's the same with effects of trauma. They mm. can be mild, moderate, and severe. Everything can be mild, moderate, severe. So I didn't get rid of the effects of my trauma. I just got them down to mild to moderate. Yes. So I get some OCD from my chaotic childhood and yes. it used to be severe. Now it's mild to moderate. You know what that means? Everybody invites me to the party because they know I'll clean up afterwards. <laughs> I will leave your guest room better than when I, I found it. Yes. And people love that. So, but I don't have to pick everything up off the floor anymore. Don't have to clean all the time. How would you encourage or guide someone to start on the healing journey? How does one take kind of self-responsibility to heal that little one that has experienced what they have? So I, I, uh, I helped build a treatment center and then I left and built a retreat for combat veterans and I came back and now I'm back there helping them out again. And I'm in a group yesterday and in walks a 66 year old man. Everybody's between 20 and 40 there, you know, and, and, and I say, welcome, you know, his, his name was uh, Mick. And I said, Mick, welcome. You know, what gave you the courage to come here? He goes, well, and he gave us a story about drinking too much and how many times he fell down and all of this stuff. And I said, how many times have you gone to rehab? He goes, this is my first time. I go, at 66? Mm. Yeah. And I go, let's talk about your childhood. And this is what he says to me. Oh, I had a great childhood. And all the group members who know me started to laugh. And he's like looking around like, why, why are you laughing? They go, yeah, that scares her the most when you say that, because we'll find out it's not true. <laughs> you know, 20 minutes later, he's like, oh, my God, I never realized. That's why I threw all those tantrums as, as a little boy. I said, yes, we went through. And I looked right at him and I, I called him a funny name. That's a swear that I won't say on your thing. And I said, if this can do it, this old I'll say codger here. Yeah. Can do this. You guys can do it. I said, you're the best. You're the best. So when you said, when can, anytime, anytime. You can start anytime, any age. You only need one thing. Well, you need two things, but one thing first. First of all, you need to be willing. So you got to be mm -hmm. able to question whether or not you had a great childhood. <laughs> if you keep saying I had a great childhood, you might have, and it wasn't perfect. Mm. But there might still be some stuff in there. You know, being locked in a closet, being smacked, being hit, you know, uh, being abused, sexually abused, that's obvious. But what about the yabut yeah, parent? People go, what's that, Susie? And I go, well, it's very simple. It's like, oh, Cammie, I love that sweater you have on. But why didn't you get it in blue to match your eyes? It would have been so much better. Mm. It's really good that you do this podcast, Cammie. But how come you don't do video, too? That would be mm -hmm. never good enough. Do you know that's water torture? Mm. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Sorry. Right. And and meaning that the point is, is that that will eat away your confidence, which you brought up earlier, your right. value. And that is one of the highest risk factors for depression and suicide is yeah, but parenting. Mm. When a parent hits a child, they know they're out of control. The parent knows it. Usually the child really knows it. So they can kind of take a step back and go, oh, wait a minute. That wasn't about me. Right. Yeah, that's about them. There's something wrong with them. 
Um, and usually it's what happened to them as well. You are at risk of doing to yourself and others what was done to you. Period. Mm-hmm. And I love people. Oh, I'll never be like my mother. I said, you just were. Like, what do you mean? I go, because your mother's probably a know-it-all, right? And they went, oh, you're right. <laughs> I said, well, you were just acting like a know-it-all. I'll never be like, like, you made all these big blanket statements, you know, that mm-hmm. you can't back up. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. how do you do it? You got to be willing. And then you got to find people that are able to work with you and do this. So willing and able. Right? Yeah. What are, what is the people to work with you to do this? What are some resources that you would share for individuals to start this journey? Well, you, you know, one of the things is I do believe in self, um, self-reflection and self-knowledge. Uh, you start reading and you read with an open mind. So certainly mm-hmm. you can start doing that today. Uh, the books that we mentioned didn't start with you. Um, you know, the one that we talked about, uh, what happened to you, there's a whole bunch, anything from Gabra Mate. Um, so there's some people that you can follow. The second thing is, is what you have in your title, learning to self-regulate so that you can accept all of this new information you're going to get that sometimes might be horrific. Mm-hmm. So that idea that you can meditate and there is one drug, <clears throat> if you're anxious about learning about yourself, there is one drug you can take and it will stop the flow of adrenaline almost instantly. Um, and you can get it easily and, uh, it's called oxygen. So <laughs> when you are flooded with adrenaline, you know, and you want to take an Ativan or you want to take, you know, pot or alcohol, it's really interesting that if you just start breathing deeply, mm-hmm. there's all kinds of ways to breathe deep, you'll stop the flow of adrenaline so that you can start to process. Mm-hmm. Remember I said, you can't think and do math when you're anxious. So what makes you think you can process all this information you're going to get? Right. Um, I I interviewed uh, some of my relatives and I said, please tell me what you saw without, you know, you're not throwing them under the bus, you no know, parent on the bus. Just let me know what, what really happened so mm-hmm. that I can get of that. And then of course, therapy, some, and I just have to say this one thing, mm-hmm. you know, Cammie, if I want to come and learn how to swim, I'm going to you. Do you know why? <laughs> I know you know how to swim. I've seen you swim. I know how many hours you went in the pool, right? The trouble with the medical model is I can go to school. I can pass all the tests. I can tell you to, let's say, quit smoking, quit drinking, and lose 100 pounds. I can say that. I am licensed to say that. And I can go home and smoke two packs of cigarettes, drink two bottles of wine, and eat a whole cheesecake myself. Yes. Well, you take the Hippocratic Oath. I go, no, I take the hypocritical oath is what I do. So I just warn everybody about therapy. It's a it's a power differential that I'm not happy with mm-hmm. and that I am not held to the same standard. I don't have to do what I'm asking you to do. So I decided when I got licensed, when I started to do this work, that I was never going to do that. I was never going to ask you to do something I haven't done. So I know my ACEs score. I know how to breathe. I know what I need to do in order to mitigate that crankiness I have when I'm in the grocery store because Mm -hmm. the checkout counter person is having a personal conversation on my time, (laughs) which is what happened in my childhood Yeah, when I was ignored Mm. and I wasn't cared for. Everybody thought something else was more important that they were doing. So I had to figure it out. It did make me very, you know, resilient. I get that. <laughs> yeah. Right. But it still hurts. Right. 
So the willingness to show up and the right people and resources in place to walk the walk of healing. Watch what they're doing. If they are saying one thing and doing another, don't. If they're saying something and actually doing it, man, that's someone you want to get to know. Mm -hmm. I always say I have a tape measure. I don't know if I have one right here. I usually carry one around with me. I love those. I used to work with my stepdad and I had loved that tape measure. And I said, if you really want to know how well you are, get out the tape measure. What? Get out the tape measure and measure the space between your contradictions. Oh, I'm mm-hmm. such a really nice person. Yeah, I just yelled at that checkout counter person because she, you don't need to have a comment. That's not a kind person. Right. Right. So, so measure that space because it should be small. Like I eat really healthy, 73, I box three times a week. You know me, I'm in, I'm tough, like I'm yeah. healthy. I ate two donuts yesterday, not one, <laughs> two donuts yesterday. There's my space. I'm not going to have no space. That's no fun. No space is no fun. <laughs> I love it. Tell me a little bit about what animals do for healing. What role do they play in all of this journey? Right. So first of all, they're honest. They, they won't lie to you, right? So we lie like to ourselves. Oh, we're more apt to lie to ourselves than we are anywhere else. So the nice thing about animals is that they really understand being honest. And they're very clear about what it is that they need and what it is they're going to do. Now, different animals have different levels of uh, what's important to them. So let's just take horses, for instance. So horses are all about the herd. They truly understand that they are safer in a herd, that everybody has a role, and that no role is more important than the other, and mm. that the roles will change as they transition into being older. So just to let you know, because you're one of these, so the herd has these stallions. Each stallion has five to seven mares that they're going to mate with and make more foals. And those pods are all going to be part of a big herd. And there's one animal, one horse, I should say, standing up on the highest peak, the highest place they can to watch over the herd and watch for safety. That's the leader. And they're up on this mound and they don't eat and they're wise and they're older. And when that horse says time to leave, the predators are coming or whatever, they follow this horse and all the stallions fall back and fight. Right. And no one questions value. That horse on top of that mound is a female. It's the lead male. It's a mare that's had children. She's not mating anymore. And she's going to be the one on top of that mountain. And those stallions are going to support her. So what do they do for us? Hmm. They help us lessen what we think are big differences between genders um, between beings, between living. You know, the interesting thing about the waterhole, everybody needs the waterhole. And the only time the waterhole is dangerous is dinner time. Mm. Other than that, you can be at the waterhole. That's, that's not dangerous. It's like no one's hungry. <laughs> so, right? So they're very clear about what it is. They also don't use their children as an ego boost and they're not codependent with them. So I had a lot of raccoons when I was in uh, Virginia and uh, I watched a raccoon mother uh, carry these babies up and down the tree for a while. And then when it got older, she put her shoulder underneath one and said, no, you climb now. And the 
baby, let go. Like, no, I don't want to. And then she put it back on and it let go. I don't want to bring me up. She put it back three, four, five times. Then she wow. put her shoulder underneath it. Like, dude, you're not, you're climbing up the tree. And it climbed up the tree because they know that it's important to teach their children how to protect themselves and keep themselves safe instead of protecting them all the time. Right, right. A lot of wisdom to be found in animals' behaviors and the truth and honesty that they carry. Have you found a correlation between um, animals and healing and the ability for the human heart to begin to open and trust and heal? What has been your experience in watching that unfold, if it has? Yeah, there's a great organization called HeartMath. You should look that up. I think it's HeartMath.org. We have seven to 10 feet of energy coming off our heart. Like if you and I are in the same room right now, our hearts would be, the energy would be intertwined. People talk about, oh, I, you know, thought about you and then you called and, or, you know, oh, I thought you were coming over or you walk into a room and you feel someone's energy instantly. We said, you read their body language. No, you read their energy first because it's coming off you. And when we die, that energy leaves. We know mm-hmm. that we can measure it. We can measure up our heart, our brain, even our stomach has it. Horses have 30 feet of energy coming off their heart. Whoa. 30 feet. So that when you stand with a horse and you're just hanging with it like you did, right? Eventually, I mean, you first thought about what it will do. Is it going to kick me and all like this? If you just stood there and you weren't so concerned about what it was gonna do to you, you know, cause now you can, right? Now we can put you there and you'll go, oh, I, they, they don't just attack for no reason. Yeah. Um, and it will lower your blood pressure by just standing there. We've measured it. We've done this research over and over and over again. So healing, absolutely, you, you, you get to be honest and tell the truth. Do you know you can go up to any animal and whisper in its ear and tell it something you're ashamed of and they don't walk away and they mm. don't judge you? You can live, they'll like look at you and go, you know, like, oh, you just told me something. They might even put their head uh, in your lap. So this idea that they are here to teach us. Uh, um, many animals were here way before we were. So it might be interesting for us to take a look at them a little bit. Mm -hmm. Don't even get me going about trees. Oh my gosh. Trees can do, you know, the secret life of trees changed everything for me. What a book. I mean that, and and you think about it in regards to community and family and leadership. I had to Mm -hmm. like, Oh, I want to be the grandmother. (laughs) That's another great book to read. Um, I think, I mean, next time you talk to me, I'm going to have like five horses and they're all going to be living within my house. So (laughs) that's, Turn into the horse lady over here based off this conversation. On a couple of donkeys, a couple of burros. Yeah, though. So, so cool. Um, and this idea that we all, the, this energy that we hold, uh, the energy that we give off, and really just kind of even being mindful of what energy that you want to hold, what energy you want to be in company with. And the importance of that. And just, uh, you know, I've been so uh, intentional about building my tribe and being around the people that really fill me up with them, with the correct energy or the, the healthiest energy, if you will. Let me ask you this question, Susie. What have you learned about the human spirit? It's everything. It's, it's the core strength. 
you know, we talk about you're an athlete. We talk about our core, like making sure our core mm-hmm. is strong, front, side, and back. Um, because when that base is strong, uh, and that it, it's also uh, uh, able to grow, it's able to rest, needs rest. Um, and you said it best, it needs other spirit uh, with it. It needs forgiveness so that when we are doing something that we're not happy with or ashamed of, that spirit can actually talk to us and tell us, you know what? Right. That was not a great thing you did. Let's move forward. Let's go make amends. Let's see if we can change that. Um, spirit to me is is uh, the true connection we have. Like we love to look at people and go, oh, they're so cute. And they're so like this or that. And it, yeah. Oh, okay. Nice visual connection. Got it. That idea that you have this spiritual energy that can connect to things greater than yourself. Mm. You know, I was thinking we were just talking about trees and I was thinking, well, why, why do we chop down the plant that makes oxygen? We can't live for three minutes. Well, you probably can live for 10, but most of us can't live for three minutes without oxygen. And we're taking this plant down that it makes oxygen. Like, what are we thinking? Yeah. So that idea, spirit also is the basis for our principles, mm. right? It's the basis for our principles. Shouldn't be our thoughts, shouldn't be our feelings. I may be the only therapist that says, I don't give a shit about your thoughts. I don't give a shit about your feelings. <laughs> I care what you do. Yes. And spirit is do. It's what you do. It's how you walk this earth. It's what you say. It's who you're with. It's uh, how you are with yourself and others. Mm-hmm. That is spirit. Um, and it's completely, it's like, you just can take your cell phone at any time and plug it in somewhere and get cell and all that shit. And we love that. Spirit is like so more problem. You don't have to recharge it. Mm. <laughs> like It's always floating around. It's always part of you. Right. You recharge it in terms of take care of it. But it's always available to you. It mm-hmm. never leaves you. It never shames you. It, it never punishes you. The spirit is everything, but your thoughts will. And your feelings will because they mm. come from other people who are not that well. Most of how you think about yourself and feel about yourself was either done to you or told to you. Be careful. Don't trust your thoughts and feelings. Trust mm-hmm. your spirit. And your spirit can live in your gut and your heart. Yeah. It brings. And so that's spirit. And you can give spirit to other people. Isn't that great? People want to give information. And I thought, well, let me tell you what I think. No, mm. how about give me some of your spirit? Wow. <laughs> that'll help me more yeah 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 and it connects us to all life what's one what's one way either you or you would guide or teach someone to connect to their own spirit so, so it's interesting we i have to start real small about uh coincidence people love that oh that was such yeah. a coincidence. that's right like, well, maybe maybe not so this idea of share with me one time when you needed something, you thought about something, and then all of a sudden it was in front of your face or someone walked in and had like, give me those moments that that happened. Or when you're in with a horse and you're scared and it comes up and puts its head right in your chest and says, you're safe. Oh. Give me that moment. Tell me about that moment when someone walked up and gave you a hug at a time you needed it. And mm. then tell me spirit doesn't exist. That's right. Right? Like it's there all the time, just waiting. The only place spirit can't find you for the most part, I joke about this, is on your couch. If you're spending too much time on your couch, you got to at least get up 
right? And spirits like, okay, they're up. They're good. They're up. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> go be careful. Once in the treatment center, this kid wouldn't get out of bed and you have to go to these groups and everything to be able to stay in. So they called me as the clinical director and said, would you go over and see if you can get them up? So I go, I go, dude, like, you know, if you don't get up, I got to ask you to leave. I don't want you to leave. Get out there. You got a view of the ocean. Let's go to the beach. Because I can. Like, of course we can go to the beach. I'm the clinical director. Go take a shower. Get, we're going to go to the beach. Yeah. I into the shower and I take out this roll of crime scene tape. You know, the yellow tape? Yes. And I wrapped his bed in it. <laughs> and he comes out and he goes, what's that? And I go, it's a crime scene. You can't cross the crime scene line. You know that, right? It's illegal. I said, I think it'll be taken off by nine tonight. Yes. He laughed. He never stayed in bed again. Oh, this idea that the spirit is a source that we can always tap into, um, that thoughts and feelings aren't making the water murky, the spirit water murky, um, and that it's a resource that's always available and within us. Um, you can be anywhere in the world at any time and have access to your spirit. Um, and the idea that you can share spirit in a, in a healthy, positive way is also in fact, so powerful. And you can trust it. Yes. You can trust your thoughts and feelings. Yes. And you can trust it more than you can trust your thoughts and feelings. Susie, what is, what would be your ultimate dream for humanity at this point? You know, for me, it's, you know, people talk about prosperity and abundance. And I'm going, ooh, that scares the shit out of me. Like, I don't need that much. None of us need that much. Boy, what would be awesome if we really understood the idea of sharing? Is mm. that, like, I'll just share... If you're here, you can have some of my drink. Uh, I got plenty. You're like, oh, I got I got two weed whackers. You want one? Um, the other one? I would love to think that we are capable of sharing our principles and that everything's based on principles and that we're able to share our gifts, our time, and our resources. And we can share our spirit. That would be ultimate to me. Just share. I still want you to go out and do your life, go do it. Like, that's great. And know that there's no such thing as independence. Every time we, every time we do independence, they go, oh, I didn't make my shoes. I didn't make my sweater. Although I can knit. I said, we're not. And no one's independent. Like, that's ridiculous. We're all interdependent. Yes. We should have interdependence day. We can't be here without one another. Right. So every, that's, right. Forth, that's what I do. I wish everybody an interde uh, happy interdependence day. Yes. And, uh, so that's my wish. My wish is to understand that we deserve one another. We deserve to share and we need to base all of our actions on principles, not thoughts and feelings. Mm. Too many people are trying to run their lives according to how they feel. I feel. And I go, don't do that. Just whatever just, you do, don't feel. Don't feel. <laughs> like, oh, you can feel. Don't let it make a decision for you. Right. I feel like I'm an asshole. Well, see, that right there is not going to work well because yeah. you're going to do asshole things. Yeah. <laughs> right? yeah. So we feel like an asshole, but you're not. And go do something kind for yourself. Mm. Make a commitment to be kind. So principles, honesty, kindness, integrity. You know, Beautiful. That's it. 
Beautiful. Well, you have been such a great example of your wish for humanity and showing up and sharing your insight, your wisdom, your skill set, your love. Uh, I'm so appreciative of your time today and all that you shared. And thank you. Thank you for being on Mindful Warrior Radio. So we say in Al-Anon and many of the 12-step programs, if you see it in someone else, it's because you have it. You spot Mm -hmm. it, you got it. You spot it, you got it. I love that. So back at you, back at you, Cammy. Everything you said about me, you could not see that if you didn't have it. So I just want you to know that. Bless you. you. Can't wait to spend some time with you. We'll make a date to go up to the 400 wild horses. You're ready. I am. I can feel it. I'm going to get my cowgirl hat on and get going. Let's go. Thank you so much, Susie. Appreciate you. Be safe. Thank you to those who joined us today. If you enjoyed today's episode, please take the opportunity to share with a friend and follow Mindful Warrior Radio or leave a review. To learn more about Mindful Warrior and Mindful Warrior Radio, please follow us on Instagram, The Real Mindful Warrior, and check out our website at www.mindfulwarrior.com. I look forward to our next discussion here on Mindful Warrior Radio.